Welcome to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide, a CatSource family production. In this episode, we discuss the Buckeyes, life transitions, and accountability. This podcast exists in large part because of CatCM, the content marketing team inside CatSource Inc. So what does CatCM do? You know how many business leaders need help communicating their story? That's what we do. Content creation and content distribution for business leaders. This provides opportunities, relationships, and a platform for you and your business. Why do we do this? Because at CatCM, we exist to help entrepreneurs create and share amazing content. Learn more by visiting CatCM.com. Our guest today is James Cotton, founder of Buck Icon and former Buckeye football player. Buck Icon's mission is to become a premier apparel and merchandise retailer and provide resources for former members of the Ohio State football program and all individuals to enhance their careers, which will help them transition into professional life in corporate America, athletics, society, and the community. Cotton was a defensive lineman for the Ohio State Buckeyes. In 1998, he was part of the Big Ten championship team that went on to win the Sugar Bowl. Cotton was drafted by the Chicago Bears in the 2000 NFL Draft. He also is a Canadian Football League Grey Cup champion. If you need help navigating the transitions in your life, let this conversation be a resource as James brings experience both on and off the field. It will be clear early on in this chat that James is here to help. Let's get going with this conversation. We welcome Ohio State Buckeye great James Cotton. If you can go to even a college football game, high school game, and you watch them run the sweep and you see the collisions that occur by the sidelines, I think that'll wake you up as to what's happening out there. Um, for someone who's played football and you played in the trenches on the defensive line, what do you think is, and there's a lot of talk about this, right, with head injuries and all that, what do you think is the future of this game that we have? And just talking about you having a son who's about to be six months old. I believe the game is going to still exist. I mean, it's not going away. Um, you know, it brings in too much revenue and it's too entertaining and exciting for people. So I don't think there's necessarily going to be a, you know, football isn't going to dissolve. So, um, I mean, it's just really about being mentally physically and spiritually prepared to, you know, be a part of football because that's what it's going to take in order for one to be successful, to reach the highest of highs. But I mean, you do have people that just like to play the sport, but don't really have any plans on taking it to a step past college football or anything like that. And so, but you do have guys that want to take that next step. And so they put their body and mind and their spirit through ungodly nose, you know, habits and disciplined actions. So when you when you take this on as a football player, then you got to understand what you're mentally, physically and spiritually getting into. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it, it takes a lot. Um, I've heard some players talk about um, what they would do with their, you know, children as they get older. So, you know, someone who played in college who maybe played professionally would they allow their son to play the sport and you hear both sides of it right if that's what they love to do and that's what they want to do and like you said want to go through what it takes to be a football player then absolutely right but there's other side of it as well to say i'm, I'm i love what it's done for me and my family but at the same time there's a lot of other options out there i don't want the risk but then it's a lot of media stuff too, right? Because the media can make, it's like shark attacks. The shark attacks have always happened. It's just that we're talking about it more. Head injuries have always happened. I mean, you can ride your bike, you can play soccer, you can walk down the street and hurt your head. Um, you know, maybe it's just more prevalent now. So 
it's an interesting time, I think, because like you said, football is entertaining. It, they're making two. They're making so much money. Um, probably bound to continue to make more money for the foreseeable future. Um, but what happens with players as uh, they, you know, they move on and they go into the, you know, let's say the call the real world, and then they have children, and those children want to play the game. Perhaps are they going to allow their kids? But you know, we're seeing a lot of players come up, a lot of kids come up, um, whose fathers played the game. You know, Emmett Smith's son, for example, um, is is going. I think he's gonna. He's a senior in high school, if I'm not mistaken. So you're seeing players that grew up in that generation that are now have kids that are old enough to play football. It's just going to be curious as to how it transitions and will people continue to play the game? And I think you said people will continue to do it. There's enough people that love the sport, and it's such top of mind for so many people. You agree with that? I agree with that. And one of the key things that you just said that pops out to me that I consider myself an expert on is transitions and when you're going through a transition, whether it be from being a mediocre player or, you know, the highest paid player, there's a transition that takes place. And so individuals got to understand and be willing to be mentally prepared to take on that transition as they go on to either the next level or some guys don't want to make that transition. I want to hit something real fast because a lot of times we're talking about transitioning uh, in, in sports, for example, it's transitioning from sports to, say, business and the community. And I, and I know you do that, but I was fascinated when you said you're transitioning from being a good player to a great player. And there's something there, right? That's a people like you, like like you're saying. I'm assuming is there's a lot that goes into that as well, right? Not forgetting where you come from, staying grounded, you know, continuing to work hard, all that, but continue on that transition part. Yeah, absolutely. So what happens is, and I've seen this, I uh, played for the Atlanta Falcons for a few years uh, professionally, and um, I had a guy on my team, I won't mention his name, but um, he signed a big deal. And, you know, he would basically tell me, you know, I'm worth X amount of dollars. You know, ain't really no reason for me to work hard no more. And it's amazing how, like, some people can be influenced by money in that regard. And then some people, it makes them work even harder to prove. But some guys, especially playing a vigorous sport like football and the mental toughness that it takes to do it, you know, a lot of guys find themselves in that. Man, I don't want to I don't want to put my body in harm's way. So I'm going to take my foot off of the gas pedal and just go ahead and coast through the back nine of my football career. And I think, you know, some guys find themselves in that position. No, they definitely do. And I, we see that in business a lot, right? So if you look at someone who's done well, let's say it's a salesperson or someone who just got a promotion, right, as an executive, they get a little bit big for their britches. And next thing you know, they are, they're feeling it and they're forgetting how they got to that point. Right? They start alienating possibly the people around them, or like you said, they stop doing what got them there, the work, the little things. Um, so I think it's interesting. And so I would imagine you've seen that play out at all your levels of high school, college ball, and the NFL. Obviously, we just explained being with the Falcons, that you saw players going through this, and it must have hit you in a way to say, why is this happening over and over and in the different – because it goes both ways. Like Like you said, the other way is – Someone continues to push themselves to limits that they never even thought they could do, and they continue to strive and be great. 
but you must have seen this play out so often. Oh, yeah. You see it happen, and then it really comes down to the mental preparation and the goals that you set for yourself. So once people hit their goals, they tend to pretty much say, oh, okay, I've done it, instead of reassessing their goals and basically making new goals. Like once once they felt like they've reached a peak, you know, then that's the end result. And so I think a lot of guys struggle with that mentally to basically, and I think in Andrew Luck's case, you know, he's put his body and his mind through so much, just trying to get healthy. And the fact that, you know, he spends all of his time rehabbing or just conditioning and and that just wears and tears on the body. But the mental aspect of that, man, that could send you into a depression that could turn him into like being abusive to prescription drugs, non-prescription drugs. And so a lot of people don't really take that into account. And you would think that they would based in based on what society has told us about, you know, suicides and, you know, the things that come along with depression and anxiety. And so you feel like our society would be more understanding of kind of like what the mental process is. But if you're not a player or you haven't played at that level, you don't know the amount of pressure that this young man has basically absorbed over the last seven years. Yeah, I don't think anyone could understand what it would be like to continue to rehab all the time. And even when you're not hurt and you're still playing, but but you're always injured, right, in some way, um, (laughs) that you're always trying to keep your body going, like you said. And and you mentioned the thing goals, right? It's hard. And you see, again, you see this in business where people might build something, they build a business and then they, they have this ultimate exit strategy and they want to sell the business and they maybe they sell it for millions of dollars. And, and you hear stories about this that they thought that was their ultimate goal and then it happens and now they're like, now what? And, uh, you know, there's, there's studies out there that talk about that. It's not about that. A lot of the times it's about the daily journey, right? The everyday process that you go through and loving that. It sounds cliche, but you've seen it, like you said, play out. Well, so you won the game. Now what? You reached your goal. Now what? What are you going to do now that you've made it to the NFL? You win a Super Bowl. Whatever these things are, now what? Right? Because then you have to have the mental capacity to understand, like, what that is. So when, we talk, when you talk about goals... You have to, like you said, reassess them. How do you help people? Is it reassessing their goals? Or is it having maybe something bigger out there that might not be like this ultimate thing that you're trying to reach? Because once you reach the peak of the mountain, now what, right? What are you going to do about it? And how are you going to go to the next thing? Because there isn't another mountain that you climb that can climb that's even higher than that. So anyway, thinking through all that part of it, you've obviously come to understand what this is like, especially for the modern day athlete. Talk to us a little bit about like goal setting and, and things along those lines that you, that you've come across. Yeah. And I think, um, to expound on what you're talking about, I think that a lot of folks, like once you have reached a certain criteria, you know, no matter what level that is for you and what type of goals you set, like, I think the way people can basically stay in tune is to either mentor somebody or help other people that may be trying to aspire to be in your position. And I think they will discover a deeply rooted passion there to where it's like, man, you know, I went through this process. I love this process and now I've reached my goal. And here's how this is going to be, what's going to be rewarding to you is to be able to help somebody else achieve 
similar or put themselves in your position. And so that's how you can create an opportunity to either grow bigger or you can help somebody else grow as big as, you know, whatever it is. And especially with sports, you're talking about just basically grooming a guy or sharing some tips, keys, you know, how to take care of your body, how to take care of your mind. And then from the business aspect, you know, you have this person shadow you and have them learn the ins and outs of the business. So I think that would keep that person engaged more to basically help with whatever transition that they get ready to move into. That's super well said. I mean, I think about it too with children. Um, and I've always felt like I might have, I might have something going on that's bothering me. That's getting in my way that I'm overthinking, but the second my child has something going on and I take myself outside of my head to make sure I help my kid, you forget about all the stuff that you have going on because your problems aren't as important right there. Right. And you want to make sure that you, your, your child is taken care of. And, and you say in business is the same thing. And that's why I've enjoyed building a business so much is because now we get to have other people a part of this team and we get to help them out and think through things differently and they have their struggles and we can help them out with it. And, and you obviously bring up sports. I mean, two players that come to you know, the wide receiver position is always thought of as this prima donna position. And then you think of guys like Larry Fitzgerald and Jerry Rice that played very long careers. Fitzgerald's still playing. And they always talk about how he was there, like you just said, how do you take care of your body? And they're just mentioning two guys. There's hundreds or thousands of these types of guys out there. And it's like you're saying is they've been able to extend their career probably because they've been taking care of their body. And I also think that if you're out there, and I think you know people who write books, for example, if you're going to put something out there, so I think me, you know, uh, creating content is so great and having you someone like you on the podcast is so great because if you say these things, James, you have to live it because you then become a hypocrite if you do the opposite thing. So you almost put pressure on yourself, but in a positive way. I don't, do you see that? Yeah, I totally see that. And I'm actually in the process of writing a book myself. Um, and so when you do put things out in the atmosphere, I'm a far believer, you, you know, what you put out is what you receive. And so therein lies, if you're putting out positivity and you're putting out good content, you're putting out good information, you will receive that in return and then people will start to gravitate towards you with that energy. And so that's what's really exciting about being on podcasts and sharing good information. I'm a firm believer. If you got some information that could help somebody save somebody's life or something like that, you got to share that information. That's right. So we're talking a lot about like this process, this journey. And again, these are buzzwords and you hear them a lot. And so you got to sometimes be careful of saying it. You know, I hear coaches sometimes, a lot of coach speak and or corporations say this stuff. And you're like, oh, man. but I think you can say it if you're genuine about it. You know, there's that's that's an important piece of it. Um, and we're, you know, kind of combining that with goals. And let's think like the ring culture that we live in. And you think of the NBA that we're chasing rings now. We're chasing winning. And what does that mean to get to that point? And not everyone wins. I and mean, when we talked, we wrote an article a long time ago. It was one of the first things we did with sports entrepreneurs, enjoy the journey. And we talked about all the great players. And we talked about professional sports, you know, like a Barry Sanders. You talk about a Carl Malone in basketball or a Patrick Ewing. And there's, there's a Jim Kelly. I'm from Buffalo, New York, or Jim Kelly. They never won the ultimate prize in their league. But then I think back as if you were to sit down with them, do they regret their careers? I, I can't imagine. Or Ted Williams, you go way back. Do they regret their career of what they did? I, I can't I'm not imagine. Would they have loved to have won? Yes, but perhaps it 
maybe that was the ultimate goal of getting there, but the process was better for them. And, and you know, someone who played in the late 90s, because things have changed so much with social media, and it's like, well, how do you represent yourself on Instagram and Facebook and all these things? It gets, out, it gets in the way, you know, or what the Golden State Warriors were able to do. They built this incredible culture, and then people blame Kevin Durant for going over there, and now we're going all over the place. But the point is, is it only about winning championships and playing these sports? It can't be. No, it's not about winning championships. All you, the, the real thing is you really should be enjoying the process. And sometimes at the end of the day, winning the championship, it's not going to make or break your career. Those guys still got in the Hall of Fame that you mentioned, the Jim Kellys, the Barry Sanders, Ted Williams. Those guys got into the Hall of Fame within their perspective sport. So, you know, I don't think that, that tainted their legacy. I mean, it's a topic of conversation, but for for them to, of course, everybody will say, oh, I would have loved to have won a ring, but the fact that you didn't and you was able to accomplish all of these things, you was able to help guys on your team, you know, get to that particular point. Some guys never played in the Super Bowl. Some guys never played in the World Series, but because a part of that team they act they had that opportunity to share that experience with you the bond that you've created throughout your years of going through the process the blood sweat and the tears the behind the scenes that people don't see you know that's the collective that you try and pull from on remembering these legendary players and so it's all about your mindset if you put your mindset to say oh you know what i don't think this guy's legacy is as good because he didn't win any championships then you should probably keep your opinions to yourself because you're not seeing the whole argument of this person being a, a legendary person. And so it really comes down to the mindset on the individuals that's talking about these very opinionated arguments or debates or however you want to word it on whether or not championships matter because it's great to win them. Uh, I won a championship on every level that I played on high school, college i went to junior college won a championship in junior college at ohio state and i played in the canadian football league won the great cup so every level and so you know to me i just was blessed to have the teammates around me and share those moments with those guys now if we would have lost i don't know what my feeling would be like but all i know is i enjoyed the process and that's what i felt defined me as a player was the journey the process the camaraderie that is built with the players and coaches and the staff. So at the end of the day, that's what really matters. Yeah. And it's blocking out the noise, right? And I want to get into that in a minute. I want to go back here a second though, but, but it is blocking out that noise of people are going to talk. They're going to say, Oh, he can't win. I mean, they talk about Michael Jordan for seven years that he was never going to win a championship. Right. You remember that? And it was like, well, and then he did. And then he won a lot and he won six of them. But it was people talk. And then even when the players who it's like a Carl Malone or Patrick Ewing, they didn't win and they stalked. And it's like, well, that person can get over it because they know what it was all about. The people that were closest to him know what was going on in that process. But I also think sometimes we learn from these losses. You know, when we built, when I doubled down on our marketing business, it came after a big loss. 
in the insurance business and I realized that there were certain things that were playing out that I didn't have control over and that was a time that I saw opportunities outside of where I was and that's when the marketing business really grew right we had some content we did all this but it was after a big loss that I saw that opportunity to say this is when I have to take and I got to take that now now right in sports you might have a big loss you know we can think back and I want to go back a little bit to 1998 you probably know what I'm talking about but as an Ohio State fan and I'm in college at the time you guys were beating Michigan State in the second half you were an overwhelming favorite but here's the thing you know the game has to be played out things happen we've seen losses and we've seen victories you know the miracle on ice in 1980 right things that were just unexpected happen Right, Michigan State comes back and upsets that Ohio State team, which is one of the best Ohio State teams probably ever to play on the field. I don't think anyone can argue that. You know, if you hate Ohio State, you can say, well, that's not the case. No, but they had a bad, right? You had a bad 10 minutes or whatever that was, and you end up losing the game. But I think what's interesting after that, and we can talk about that in a second, but you guys went on to beat, and I believe it was an Iowa team, and then you come and beat Ohio State. I was at that game in 98. You guys beat, I'm sorry, you beat um, Michigan, of course, and you go on and then you win the Sugar Bowl. But take me back because you guys had to have learned something, not just for the football team maybe to then rise to the occasion in the following weeks, but probably for the rest of your lives to say, we went through that and here's why and here's what happened and here's what will never happen again. Do you, do you remember that time? Do you remember what it was like when that happened? Oh, absolutely. I remember it like it was yesterday, honestly, because that – uh, Michigan State game. It happened on my birthday, believe it or not. Oh, believe wow. it or not. November 7th, <laughs> 1998. Uh, we had like a, this big, huge party planned and, you know, we lost. But the party still went on. Uh, <laughs> but it was just one of those things. It was like, I've never heard the horseshoe that quiet ever in my life. Um, it was It was an eerie feeling, but it was one of those things where it was like, uh, what we call sudden change. And this is what happens in life too. Um, when you have sudden change and you're not able to deal with kind of like all of the distractions, all of the momentum that's, you know, going against you. And you, as a football player, you taught to basically put out fires as a defensive player. So we had what they call sudden change. The ball bounced off of Nate Clemens back. Michigan State recovered, go in and scored, and they kick off. Um, our offense get the ball. Joe Germain never runs. He decided to run out of pocket. Robert Smith strips him. They get the ball again. And it's just like all of these bad things that's happening to us. And we blew everybody out so bad that year. And it was like we never faced adversity. And so when we faced adversity, we had nobody that to look to to basically let us know that, hey, we could weather the storm and we just continue to unravel. And so that's similar to what happens in life, man. Sometimes you need a team around you that's been, you know, through some adversity so you can weather that storm. And unfortunately, we ran out of time. We couldn't weather the storm. But that was a great life example on how life come together with sports. As you're, you're going to face some adversities, you know, are you willing to get back up after you've been knocked down? Are you willing to make the sacrifices it take to weather the storm? So, you know, that was one of the one things we learned. And like you said, we went on to beat that team up north, uh, 31 to 16, I believe. And then we went to beat Texas A&M and the Sugar Bowl, which was cool. And that was the first year of the BCS system. 
and we should have played um, Tennessee in the national championship game that year. And I firmly believe we would have beat them. But, you know, that's that's life, man. Things happen. You know, we we still was able to we still was able to, you know, win the Sugar Bowl. And, you know, we got a nice ring for that. But it would have been great to be considered a national champion. But, you know, that was what life gave us at that time. And here we are. It's almost like, of course, you want to win that game. But looking back at it, you can find the positives in it as well. Yeah, you lost. You know, there's a winner and there's a loser in sports and you lost but you made the most of it, right? You rallied afterwards. Um, you know, I think that Michigan, or the, the team up north, I should say, that game ended early because the Ohio State fans were still there, right? They still rushed the field and the players were, it was a big moment. Um, and, and then a lot of stuff changed after that, right? I mean, it wasn't too far after. I think the next year, a lot of players graduated. It was a big changeover at, at Ohio State and um, they had a tough year and then Cooper was gone and then Trestle came in. Um, and it wasn't, it was, it was 2002, the 0203 season when Ohio state was on the other end of it, they were the unexpected. They won, they won all those close games. Right. And then they played Miami and Miami had their party set up for afterwards. I remember, uh, I think it was Clinton Portis was, you know, handing out things like they were going to celebrate the national championship after they beat Ohio state. Well, they didn't realize that Ohio state was coming to play, right. One of the best defensive lines and Ohio state ended up upsetting Miami. And one of the things that we talk about is. Miami hadn't what hadn't had adversity, right? So you see it a lot of times that they hadn't seen this before. They hadn't been in a tight game where things are going to happen, and perhaps that helped a lot of those guys on that team realize like it's not all perfect, right? Things aren't going to go well. Someone is going to punch you in the face, and it's like what's going to happen? What what happens? And not just in sports, but in life. Um, you know, Urban Meyer talked about it, and and this is what happened in 2015. Ohio State again lost to Michigan State, and their only loss, and they hadn't trailed the entire game until the la- until there was zero seconds on the clock, and they lost. And they were asked him the following season, they're like, "When did you get over that loss?" He's like, "I didn't get over that loss until the summertime." You know, sometimes things just sting a little bit more, but then how do you rally yourself, right? How do you get over that? Um, oh yeah, and one of the things I just want to uh, hop in, and so. You talked about the uh, the year after that ninety eight year, which would have been nineteen ninety nine. That was my senior year. We were six and six. We didn't go to a bowl game. And here's the cool thing about that: we opened up against the University of Miami. We played them in the kickoff classic in nineteen ninety nine in New Jersey. <laughs> and so, the true freshmen and the red shirt freshmen that were on that team was the same team that beat them in 2002 for the national championship. And so what a lot of people don't understand is that those freshman guys, you know, they watched us as seniors lose to that that Miami team. And I remember in the locker room, I'll never forget, they said, if we ever have a chance to play them guys again, we're going to beat them no matter what it takes. And so that set with those guys all the way up until they were seniors they had an opportunity to play on the national stage. And that's why a lot of people don't understand well, how Ohio State, because they lost to them three years prior to that. And then those same guys had an opportunity to avenge that loss. And I was like in tears after that game because I basically roughed all of those guys up in practices. And they went through the worst season in Ohio State's history, you know, According to Ohio State standards, like that was a, a bad team, six and six, no bowl game. Like that's unheard of around Ohio State. And so it was sure. cool to. Oh, that's amazing. Them. 
I mean, that, that was an amazing year. And like you said, those things don't just happen, right? Ohio State, fourth and one, Holy Buckeye versus Purdue, right? Or all the Penn State game, the Wisconsin game, the Illinois game, which went to overtime, the, the, the team up north game, which that was 0-2 game, one of the greatest games ever, right? Because it was like 14-9, and I think the final score was. But like you said, yeah. that didn't just happen. That was many years in the making. And one of the freshmen that you're talking about, they mentioned him in the game, was Mike Doss, uh, the safety, and who became a captain. I remember he gave the big speech in 02, and I remember it was like yesterday because I remember being there. I remember seeing him. He's like, this is the reason I came back, to have an opportunity to beat the team up north and do what he did. And and he had an interception early in that national championship game, and it was like – you know, let's just not get destroyed. You know, the fans think it right there. You know, this could be that was one of the greatest college football teams ever assembled, possibly that Miami, as far as talent is concerned. And then Mike Doss had that big interception to say it was like the Rocky movie when he cut him. You're like, oh my goodness, this is for real. Like, that just happened. Yeah. But, like you said, in that Miami game, and I think Musburger was calling it, if I'm not mistaken, I'm gonna look it up and like remember this name because he made a tackle on special teams or something like that. But, like you said, it was guys like you and other players and your teammates and just the culture of what you guys were building that helped lead up to that many years later. And, and you know, you even had a different coach at the time, but it was all ingrained in that culture, like you're saying, and that's why it's so important to have that kind of team and have those types of people around you. And it's why it's so amazing and exciting for us to talk to someone like you who's lived it and seen it to say, no, man, this this thing started years ago. And for a lot of those players, it started when they were in peewee football and all that. But you go through these ups and downs to get to those possible moments. And even if they hadn't won, they still went through that process and that journey. Because like you said, it's not all about the championships. It's about that process. And you can learn to and talk about it today on a podcast like this. For sure. But you have the sports media out there. And they all have their say, right? You know, Andrew Luck retires, and and people have are going to say stuff, and they're going to blame him. And then you got fans booing, so you got social media, so everybody's in the media right now, and everyone's going to say stuff. But you have to deal with this stuff, and they deal with well, you can't win championships. But Ohio State, right? They dealt with some stuff last year where everybody in the media wanted to come down on them. Every everybody for whatever reason. It's interesting to me that. You can just hate on Ohio State. This is this is program is this university in the middle of Ohio, in the middle of the country, kind of. And I'm from my dad's from Cleveland, Ohio. My parents met at Ohio State. I was born a Buckeye, and it was like you can do anything you want to do if you go anywhere that near that team up north. You're on your own. And but it's interesting to me that so many people just want to hate on them, right? I think there's certain schools or certain um, uh, pro professional sports teams that just have that polarizing thing to them. But does it bother you to see, like, it's not everybody, right? And I'm being very generally speaking, you know, it's like Ohio against the world and all that kind of stuff. But you growing up there, going to school there, being a part of it, you wear your 52 jersey around with pride. Does it frustrate you when you see the media, or are you able to say, I just forget that noise, I'm gonna block that out, it doesn't matter, because these are people that are just trying to get clicks onto their website? Yeah, I block it out, because I'm a guy, you know, I'm at pretty much like a lot of the festivals, fairs, I got a couple stores in different malls, and so I'm around people, fans of the Buckeyes, people that are not fans of the Buckeyes, and so, Honestly, man, it, it becomes a respect thing. It's like, you know, you either respect us or, you know, if you don't like us, that's fine. But you're not going to be disrespectful to me, you know. So it's just like, you know, you just have to have a 
wherewithal and understanding on like who you're talking to, who you're dealing with. Now, we see a lot of team up north fans, and it's just in fun, you know. So we just like to keep it fun. It's like you can root for whoever you want to root for. You know, I'm a diehard Buckeye fan, but, you know, I don't go to the extreme to, like, hate a person that roots for the team up north. I just think it's funny. Right. But, you know, you, you have the opportunity to root for who you want to root for. Whoever, like, some people, are, unfortunately, are born in that state up north, and they just <laughs> kind of like, that's what they see. That's what they live, eat, sleep, just like we are as Buckeye fans. So, you know, it's just a respect thing. So I've beat that team up north i've lost to them and so i've been on both ends of it and you have to understand that you know that's one of the greatest rivalries in college football and you know even though that that team up north isn't that good they still feel like they could beat us and i feel like that's what's going to keep the the fire lit in that rivalry and so hopefully it will become competitive again and when we watch the game, of course, we're going to say, well, we would like to put up 70 points on them this year. We got close last year. Yeah. You always want to dominate. And so when you get them down, you just got to, you know, put your foot on their throat. But in regards to, like, fans, like, being unruly or disrespectful, like, I just block all of that noise out because other people's opinions don't shape up my opinion. I'm a firm believer and, you know, I can filter a lot of the things. And I think that's the issue with society. People allow themselves to be influenced and I'm just not one of those individuals. Well, I'm glad you said all that because I think it's important because we see it. I was talking to my son about this. It's funny. You could go to a grocery store and I have a, a t-shirt on, you have a t-shirt on and there's nothing on it. And you could be a fan of one team. I could be a fan of another team and we could get along all of a sudden. If you put a one team rival and I put the other team, next thing you know, you're, you might have animosity. And a lot of times it's not even in person, right? It's Twitter. It's social media. It's the keyboard warriors that are going to go out there. And it's the media, right? There's agendas. So I, we always talk about that. Like, see it from the agenda that they're on. And once you see the agenda that they have, because, you know, I remember Mark May, for example, would just pick against Ohio State. And if you couldn't understand that he's just doing it to get a rise off Buckeye fans because that would then drive them to outrage that would then lead to more people watching, paying attention. That helps, right? That helps sell advertising. That helps more people watching and getting frustrated. It works both ways, right? You could say something super positive or super negative. A lot of times it's the negative news that drives the thing. But like you're saying, I think you're right. Let's have fun with this. Let's enjoy this. Like let's enjoy the rivalry, the opportunity we have to even talk about this thing, right? That's the fun part of it. And just move on and let's not take ourselves too seriously. I mean, there's a whole psychological aspect of it of they talk about how if your team wins as a fan, they say we're number one. But if your team loses as a fan, they said they lost, right? So you want to try to associate yourself with the team like you had anything to do with it. Or they go on the other end of it, you're like, man, I want to distance myself from that team because they just blew it. It had nothing to do with me, right? So it's so interesting that they've actually done studies on this. Or you know it, right? I live in the southeast and I live in Charlotte. And, and Clemson's an incredible football program. I'm never going to doubt. I mean, they're doing unbelievable things right now. But the amount of orange I see nowadays versus what I saw, say, five, ten years ago, it is crazy. Now I get it. They're super proud of their, their team, and as they should be. They should enjoy it. But... That, and that's not just Clemson, like, right? That's across the country. I would never see a Golden State Warriors t-shirt for someone walking around when the Warriors go out and win and people start associating themselves with it. So, like you said, society, all that kind of stuff, there's there's a lot to it. Um, 
talking about football, though, obviously you are, you are part of the, the program. Um, there's an incredible uh, brotherhood. There's an incredible alumni that you see. I mean, Ohio State travels wherever they go. Um, and I want to get into like you helping out Ohio State, but just first of all, like you know, again, like this is a podcast that we like to keep it evergreen, but we love talking about sports. And so you've seen this Ohio State program, you know, you're at the Cooper years, and then Trestle, and then those things happen there, and then Urban Meyer shows up, and it's like, oh my goodness, we're recruiting players from all over the country, including Ohio, which is an incredible state for high school football. And now here comes Ryan Day and what he's done with the offense. Like, where do you see this Ohio State football program going from here? Do you see continued success in the way we've seen it before? Like, how, how are you feeling about things right now? Yeah, I think it's going to be continued success. I mean, we watched a snippet of what Coach Day can do the first three games of the season. And then he kind of stepped back to give Coach Meyer his job back and then I think Coach Meyer relinquished it to him, kind of like that team up north week. And what he was able to do in that game last year was basically what you're going to see this season. We're going to be putting up a bunch of points. We're going to be getting rid of the ball fast. I think we got a, a adequate passer. Um, we will find out once the bullets start flying on Saturday on how really good um, – Justin Fields is I would say the first three games is going to be the biggest test to really see where the Buckeyes stand like how strong defense is because it takes the defense typically three to four weeks to really gel and trust each other to be on the same page because there's a lot of communication that goes on and so the offensive line is huge and athletic Uh, I think we got a great running back we got a Heisman candidate back there so it's going to be easy to rely on the run and then open things up on the pass. But I would just love for the Buckeyes to fly under the radar so they don't get everybody's best shot. I think we've been getting everybody's best shot over the last three years. And now it would be great to sneak up on some people and, you know, give them our best shot. Uh, but I think the Buckeyes have an opportunity to really run the table. Uh, I'm no Nostradamus, but, you know, I'm obviously a Buckeye fan and a bit biased, but I was over at practice last Monday when they announced the starting quarterback and the team looked real polished. They look ready, mentally in tune, ready to go. Our linebackers are way improved. And so I'm just excited to see them actually play against a different team. And just so we could really get a gauge on how well the team is going to do this year, but everybody wants to, know like oh my god are we gonna suck or it's like (laughs) people freaking out (laughs) let's enjoy the process i say the last time ohio state had a coaching change i think that coach went 12 and 0 so let's just be optimistic so you said something interesting and obviously day had his fingerprints all over that team last year especially with haskins throwing the ball and the different things that they were doing which is outside of the norm for urban meyer but like you can't hold that guy haskins back which proved out in the nfl going early but you said him handing over things during the michigan game now, what specifically happened there? You know, was it more like you go and do your thing now? Like we knew this is ha- we know this is coming. We had to know this is coming. That this transition, someone knew somewhere that this might be taking place soon, right? But what do we know of what happened for that game? Where Ryan Day is now actually morally calling the shots. Uh, well, in football, like all of the insiders know, you self scout yourself, and so when you self scout yourself, you pretty much find out all of your predict the predictability and so Ohio State became very predictable 
And so that's why it was like, okay, Coach Myers said, let me get myself out of the way and let's go ahead and basically get back to the offense that we were running. And he, Brian Day just basically called the plays and, you know, was able to control the tempo of the game, what plays to call. And they just basically did some things schematically that nobody has seen. <laughs> That's why we put up so many points, because right. when you don't know what's, what to expect and you catch them off guard, you know, then you could basically run the table on them. And so that was just basically kind of like what happened. Um, a lot of people could tell you, something different but i'm just telling you from you know the what you know on, yeah <laughs> well that's why i'm asking what yeah. happens yeah well it's funny funny when we had chimney check on uh, he talked about that lsu national championship game in 07 and they just he said they went away from everything that they did they threw it to their tight ends all the time they ran the ball and they just completely went away from their scheme for that one game and they didn't know what was happening, right? And now all of a sudden, Ohio State started off that game well, right? I think Beanie Wells had an early touchdown, and, and things changed after that. Um, they went away from what they did, and that's, that's like you're saying what Ohio State did. It's fascinating to know, like, what happened from the inside and you being at practice, and, and you brought up the defense, and it takes a few weeks for the defense. And, you know, we've come to know, even in a down year, Ohio State's defense is going to play well. And, you know, obviously Nick Bosa got hurt, and he was one of the greatest defensive linemen, you know, at Ohio State in the last few years. But what happened last year? Because it just – it was – even now it was uh, early in the season, we are at the Oregon State game. And guys were busting 80-yard runs, it seemed like, on every other play. Now, Ohio State could just – they just go back and score, right? And they, they could just – like the Maryland game, for example. And, you know, it's they could, have, they could have been outscored. Thank goodness that their offense was humming because they would, have lose, they would have lost that game. But what happened? I know they talk about scheme. You know, they talk about, you know, guys just being confused. And there's very complex scheme going on. And, and maybe some guys are banged up and they just weren't sure. There's rumor, you know, talking about, like, guys are hitting the wrong hole. They're hitting the same hole. And next thing you know, a hole opens up. What, do you, what happened last year with the defense? Well, what happened was the, the scheme – was not putting the players in the most adequate positions. And, you know, our players had a real hard time adjusting on the fly. And so you could see that it was a, a run blitz call and the ball would go in the opposite direction, but our guys never redirected to, like, go where the ball was going. And so that's like Cardinal sin rule number one on defense. You go where the ball go. I know the defense tells you to go that way, but why would I go – to the left when the ball is on the right hand side that's just common sense as a football player and so it was just some of those fundamentals that just wasn't sured up last year and then with the injury to bosa and then you had a slew of injuries across the linebacker position those guys just wasn't comfortable playing with each other and if you notice what i said earlier it takes a few weeks to gel with somebody and trust that person so when you're playing with somebody you don't necessarily trust then it's hard for you to think and play your game because you're kind of like worried about what's happening over here and then all of a sudden you have a lapse in your job and so it's like and a lot of people don't t get this twisted with like real life trust like this is a trust from the sport not trust in life and so i mean that's why a lot of coaches do all of these team building things so you can become familiar with your teammates so you can basically trust this guy because if you can't trust this guy this guy could get you seriously hurt football is a violent sport so if i can't trust you to call out a receiver blocking down on me when i can't see like a big problem and so 
therein lies was just a lot of communication errors on the defensive end of the ball. So and I think they shored all of that up this year with the new coaches that they brought in, um, Al Washington Jr., the D coordinator from that team up north. So they got some guys that understand the schematics of football, but, you know, just the opportunity to have a healthy bunch of guys, you know, and have them gel so they can basically become a championship team is going to be real promising for the Buckeyes. Well, it all it takes is one, right? One guy to miss an assignment, one guy to not have trust, one guy to do the wrong thing, and it, the whole thing can break down, right? You know, it, it's in all the different positions. If if the lineman goes the wrong way, if the cornerback can't cover his man, if all this, if the safety doesn't get over there in time, there's, it doesn't take much, right? Especially against the quality teams, the quality opponents that in Ohio State or a lot of other programs are playing for that matter, that it only takes that one thing. And it's like you're saying, it takes that trust and uh, the understanding and everyone's going to put in the work just like you're going to put in the work. So if you do your job and everyone else does their job and there's trust built into it, you know, it, it sounds easy when we talk about it right here, right? But then, like you said earlier, you talk about we'll see what happens when the bullets start flying and, and there's real things and there's chaos and there's sudden change like you're talking about. I know Meyer talked about that a lot. And, you know, that you see that a lot in uh, if we get a turnover, a lot of times you'll see the team, especially if they're at midfield, right, they'll take a shot because they know that the other team might be a little shook right now. Those guys are sitting on the bench 20 seconds ago. Next thing you know, they're, they're playing defense. Let's see if we can catch them off guard because they weren't ready for this. Let's take that shot and go get them. And now all of a sudden you have, now you have like double sudden change. And you might really rattle your opponent right there. Um, but I love these types of conversations. And, you know, you're talking a lot about discipline and obvious leadership that's coming from you. Who were some of the leaders you had growing up at, at certain stages of your life to like to give you this mindset that you have today? Um, I would definitely say um, I transferred from uh, City College of San Francisco. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, graduated high school in Cleveland, went to Collinwood High School. But um, I left Cleveland to go all the way out to the West Coast to City College of San Francisco. And a man by the name of George Rush, he's like the most winningest football coach, you know, in the country. He retired about three years ago, but he coached there for over 40 years. And our program, we put out more Division One prospects than any other community college in the country. Um, like a lot of people getting recognition on Last Chance U and all this, the junior college um, perspective on Netflix. That's like a series, but, you know, they tried to get into our junior college, City College of San Francisco, and we turned them down just because, you know, we way above like bringing light to that. We've been doing it for years, so there's really no need to shine a light on it. But we put out probably over 20 Division One. We had guys go to transfer to Alabama, Tennessee, uh, USC, that's Southern California, Cal Berkeley. Uh, we got a pretty strong tradition, but he instilled in us, man, the accountability, just being accountable for your actions and being responsible and being disciplined. Like you teach those core principles, then you're going to be a successful football player. You can't coach work ethic and he screamed work ethic, work ethic, work ethic. Can't nobody make you run fast. Can't nobody make you, you know, do anything you don't want to do. You have to have the work ethic to be accountable, responsible and disciplined. That's where I get my 
leadership from. I was a team captain out there for two years. Um, when I came to Ohio State, Andy Katsumori was the middle linebacker. I changed my position from middle linebacker to defensive end. You know, you got to make sacrifices for the team. I never played defensive end ever in my life, but I knew I wasn't going to be a backup middle linebacker because I wasn't going to beat Andy Katsumori out at middle linebacker. So I chose to be the starting defensive end. So I had to retrain, retrain myself to learn a different position. Not many people will do that, but I did it for the sake of the team because I wanted to make an impact some type of way. But that's where I learned how to become a true student athlete when I was in junior college. And then I let my abilities transition me into the Ohio State University where I was able to, you know, have a somewhat successful career here, got drafted into the NFL. But my foundation starts at City College of San Francisco with just understanding how important it is to be accountable for your actions and to be responsible and to be disciplined to make sure those two things stick. It's interesting you say, we use that again, we use the word accountability a lot. And a lot of times, especially in business and sports, right, you want to hold people accountable. I'm going to hold you accountable to do these things. And that's important. But like you said, I can't make you do it. I can't make you do these things. I can't make you make you read that book. I can't make you go, if you're in sales, to go on those sales calls. I can't make you pick up the phone I, in sports. I can't make you run and do miles and do your workout and, and to wake up at a certain time and to eat the right food, whatever those things are. So it is about the self-accountability that is way more important than, say, me or you holding someone else accountable. We, we can help, right? You can give them tips and ideas and all that stuff but like it goes back to that movie any given sunday which again it's a hollywood and the whole thing and al pacino gives that speech and he says like you have to go that extra inch you have to do this thing he's like but i can't make you do it right i can't make you do whatever it is that you've got to do and you know you have to do it to get out on the other end of it and that's what you've come to help other people with and you're talking about a transition too right plain linebacker moving to you know Cleveland first of all there's a transition Cleveland going out to San Francisco right and then coming back to Ohio State and or coming back to Ohio to go to Ohio State there's a transition there then there's a transition to say I gotta move positions these are maybe minor transitions in some aspects because you're still playing football but this is all the stuff that you talk about with other people like we talked about before you're putting stuff out there and you're doing you're saying what you've done and what you continue to do now talk about your 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 role in the community and it's called business of, of helping Ohio State football players and people in general in that community make those transitions perhaps into the community, into quote unquote the real world or into not being a football player anymore because you had it this way and now sudden change, right? And as you talked about before, talk to us about, about your business, what you're doing with it. Yeah, we have a, my business is a buck icon uh, it's a for-profit entity. Uh, we help former Ohio State athletes transition into life after sports. And then we also help everyday individuals. Uh, I've been blessed, just as you stated, to go through many, many transitions from moving from a different state to changing positions to like struggling with um, not being able to play football again. Uh, there are so many transitions that we face on a daily that could be talked about and so i chose to start kind of like my own transition community buck icon transition community and so it's just everyday individuals that 
you know, people may have become empty nesters. People may have hit the lottery. People may get a job promotion. People may get fired from a job. But we are faced with these tough transitions. And we are sometimes we are blessed with a transition. Like I said, if you hit the lottery or if you come into an inheritance, you just need to understand that you need to have a plan in place in order to have a successful transition. You have to mentally visualize yourself going through something traumatic. You have to visualize yourself going through something that's going to make you happy, but you have to learn how to process those emotions. So when you do have sudden change, then you have an opportunity to respond appropriately and not have a knee-jerk reaction to everything that is happening to you. And so that's what I've been able to do is I've basically been able to create my own locker room because I'll have former players from the uh, the set. 70s, the 80s, the 90s, all these different decades of Buckeye greats to come out, donate their time. We do free football camps for children with special needs. And so when individuals see me set up at the Ohio State Fair or they see me set up at Flavored Nation, which was this, which was this past weekend, all of the chefs from across the United States come out. But we wanted to bring the Buckeye presence and have the opportunity opportunity for fans to meet and greet some OSU players that they once cheered about or cheered for on television or was big fans of. There's nothing like meeting a fan and they could tell you, hey, man, I remember when you chased down Eric McCoo against Penn State. He was the fastest person on their team. And like that was like, oh, my God, you're actually a fan. Or for my <laughs> guys to be like, oh, uh, I had Maurice Claret out with me one time at an event, and it was like, man, I remember when you stripped the ball from Sean Taylor in the national championship game. Like That was like the best play ever in Ohio State history. They were in tears, and this was close when Maurice was transitioning from being in prison, and he was just doing some things in the community to get back, and I was helping with the transition. And so for me to be able to help guys and just be a resource for guys, I don't look for any pats on the back, but you know, I just feel like if I had a resource that I could have utilized, I would, it would have made my transition smoother. And so that's what I try and do is I try and get OSU athletes or everyday individuals to make tactful transitions. Just think about the transition that you're getting ready to face mentally, physically, spiritually, and be able to take it on and absorb it. It's a lot. I mean, you, adequately you, you, with yeah, the there's so many of those, right? I mean, there's transitions I see with my kids getting older. There's transitions with different stages of your business. There's transitions of other people coming in there and having to help them out. And, 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 and you know, in sports, the more people we talk to in the sports community that have transitioned from, let's say, like you said, going from college to the pros, going from pros to being now what, right? What do I want to do in business or what, what, what interests me? And, and a lot of times those changes happen not by choice, right? They happen because of injury, because you've gotten older and you're not as good as you used to be, because someone beat you out, or or maybe it was a choice and you just can't do it anymore. And there's all these transitions and a lot of people are going through a lot of different things, but it's just, it's amazing to have someone like you there to help people out through this process. And like you said, not doing it for the pats on the back. Yeah, you, it's business, but that is business. You know, when people are willing to say, hey, I want to help, I want you to help me out. And that's, you know, that's, that's what we need, right? We need people like you offering that. And there's, there's many different ways to get there. You talk about Maurice Claret, you know, in that Michigan game we talked about before, the 0-2 game, when I remember his shoulder was hurt 
and he had to come off the field. He couldn't play all the downs, but when he came back on the field, I've never heard 100,000 people going crazy for this guy. He was a true freshman. It was amazing what he was able to do that year. And like you said, and then the, the, the interception and then the strip on Sean Taylor, I mean, that was like, again, like the Mike Doss play, that was this incredible moment in Ohio State football history. And then he had to transition because he wanted to go pro, and there's all sorts of stuff. And you could watch the 30 for 30, right, and hear all these stories, but amazing people. And then you're surrounding yourselves with these people, and like you hear what he's talking about today. It's like you can't help but be inspired by watching someone like that who's gone through it before. And so I think it's awesome what you're doing, and I think it's a very important um, because, and you know this, right? NFL careers or pro sports careers or college careers, they don't last long, right? By the time most guys are out of the league, they might still be in their 20s or early 30s. I mean, you have a whole life ahead of you at that point. Um, are players seeking you out? Are you having to go reach to them? Or is it a combination of both things? Uh, it's a combination. So it's like kind of like each one teach one type deal. And so when guys see other guys that just finished up recently, then they'll be like, oh, man, what are you guys doing? Or like, how could I get involved? So um, people know how to find me and how to get a hold of me. Um, we got our website up and going. So that's it. Yeah. Well, and you're, you're out here doing things like this. I mean, you're reaching out to people. I mean, you had heard one of our podcasts and, and you thought good things and, and uh, we communicated and connected and decided it'd be a great idea to have you on this podcast. And I came across, I think it was yesterday uh, evening, I'm just kind of sitting down, I'm outside, my dog's running around and I wanted to read more about what you had done. And um, I think it was a few years ago, I believe, it was a Cleveland Plain Dealer, Plain Dealer article about you uh, giving your time and energy to the school the school district, um, you know, obviously these schools, these, these districts don't have a lot of money to spend on these things, and you're going in there and you're talking about addiction, you're talking about smoking because your life has been, you know, hit with you know people that had smoked in the past, and you're talking to these kids and you're showing up as a former you know defensive lineman. Uh, wearing your number 52 jersey saying, you know, I'm a pretty cool guy and I've never smoked in my life and there's no need to smoke and you don't have to smoke. You don't have to do these things, but it is the fastest thing you can get addicted to. How did you get into that? Like, why are you helping these kids, you know, think this way? You have a lot of stuff on your plate and you're doing a lot of different things. And here you are showing up at these schools, talking to these kids about some real stuff. And it hit me because my kids are starting to get, you know, we're always getting older, but they're getting a little bit older. And there's, there's crazy stuff out there in the world today. And to have someone like you talking about those, that stuff, that's real stuff that we have to be talking about is so important. And then I saw that article. I was like, man, this guy, I cannot wait to talk to you. But how did you, how do you find the time and how do you, why do you want to do all this? Well, that's just my passion, man. The more people you help, the more you help yourself, man. I find my passion through um, just getting out and being able to influence young youth in our community, no matter where you at. Um, I am living in the Columbus area, but I grew up in Cleveland. And so Cleveland is home for me. And so I have like a 50 school tour that I go around and talk to the youth about my tackle tobacco campaign which was started back in 2010. And back then, Ohio State had the largest smoking rate in the state. And so we've actually got that decreased over the last nine years because we're in 2019. So over the last nine years that I've had my Tackle Tobacco ca campaign in effect, uh, it actually decreased by uh, 25 to 30%. So pretty excited about being a part of like 
trying to deter or prevent the youth from picking up this dangerous habit. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize how addictive it is as, you know, a sixth, seventh, eighth grader. But a guy like myself come in with the Ohio State jersey on, they're excited about football. And then you share with them, like, staying away from harmful products and harmful people is what's going to help you get to the next level. It's going to take you from just being a good student to becoming great. And so when you break it down to them, so I'm able to take the characteristics and they, this is what I call my essential life skills, which is commitment, discipline, and self-worth. When you can translate that into everyday life, and then if you do extracurricular activities, you could translate that into that. This is how we practice the essential life skills. So you practice commitment. You practice making a pledge to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to say no to anybody that asks me to smoke cigarettes or do drugs. And I tell them, well, the next question is going to be why. And then on my pamphlet, I have four quarters of facts that explain why you should not get involved with smoking tobacco or any other drugs. And then the discipline, the discipline is practicing self-control. Can't nobody control you, but you, and then the self-worth, what you put into your body and what you put into your mind is what you're going to get out of it. So it's basically a 30 minute presentation on those essential life skills, the keys to success and how I use those to not only graduate from high school, but I use those to become a better person and graduate from college, start a business. And I share those essential life skills with my family members. And the reason why I talk about tobacco specifically is because I had a grandmother that smoked and she developed breast cancer and she vowed to me that she quit smoking and she quit smoking and extended her life another 20 years. So my grandmother was able to come and watch me play professional and college football. That that was near and dear to me. And then I had some other relatives that succumbed to it. And there's some sad stories where I had to go to the hospital and see my aunt and uncles hooked up to ventilators, breathing machines. And, and I tell the kids that this is something that you don't want your family to come and see you the way you are if you get involved with smoking. So it's an opportunity for you to prevent this from happening to you. So let's take control over. Let's be disciplined. Let's show our commitment and let's just value ourselves. And that's that's why I go out and do what I do, because I'm able to impact people because I have a platform. You sure do. And, and I'm, I'm glad you brought your platform to us and we can share this story and this content because it's it's something, man. Um, there's just, we could talk all day <laughs> and, and maybe we'll get to talk again on this podcast and, and share some more stories because you have a lot of um, history, wisdom, experience, uh, lessons that you can teach, whether it's a player, a child, someone like myself. Um, you know, I think, you know, it's the, the thing about, you know, being important, you're important to a lot of different people and people have to remember that. And, you know, I'm glad there's a lot of talk about mental health and, and all that goes into it. And, and there's so many aspects of it. Um, like you said, and it, it's very easy to go off, you know, to different paths, especially young people. They're so influenced right now. They, they're trying to figure things out and to have someone like you show up there um, as a Buckeye, you know, and, uh, just, just helping people. I think it's, I think it's amazing. Like you said, getting outside of your own head and, um, helping other people out will help you as well. So, uh, what is the best way people can, can learn more about you and, and what you have going on? Oh yeah. Well, first you can go to our YouTube channel and type in Buck, B-U-C-K 
hyphen icon, I-C-O-N, and then all my content will pop up. You'll see me talking about a whole variety of things. I have a Transition Tuesday segment where we just talking everyday transitions. Um, you can go to the website, www.buckicon.com backslash store. If you want to purchase like a James Cotton mini helmet, jersey, some jewelry. And the cool thing about that is we use our profits to fund our football camps for kids with special needs. So I really appreciate you guys having me on to help expound on the word. Um, greatly appreciate it, man. Anything I could do for you guys, just let me know. Got any questions? The upcoming season, you want to bring me back in for a quick segment? Would love to do it, man. Just looking forward to partnering with different individuals, different groups that that's aligned with some of my mission and vision. So I commend you guys on what you do and giving us a voice to be heard and your guys' just demographic, man. So keep doing what you're doing. It's awesome. Well, I appreciate those words, man. It's been awesome having you. Thank you so much. One of my favorite things about creating sports epreneur content is the opportunity to chat with amazing leaders like James Cotton and then having the platform to share it. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at sportsepreneur. Thank you for listening to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. <laughs>